0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Redesigning Learning Podcast. I'm here with Navid Nathu. He is an amazing entrepreneur who started a company called Airpost, which was acquired by Box, a multi-billion dollar company that is public, and he ran machine learning there. And after that, he came back to Canada to start an amazing education company called the Knowledge Society with his brother, which now has over 800 active students in seven cities. And it's an amazing program that's currently running virtually with amazing results. So welcome, Navid. Thanks, Jen. Yeah. So on this podcast, we love talking about how to redesign learning and all sorts of different ideas for How to make the education of the future, how to make education better and train the learners of tomorrow. So, Naveed, thanks so much for being here. And I'd love to start off with could you tell us a bit more about the Knowledge Society and how you decided to start it and where it's at today?
1: Yeah, uh, for sure. So, TKS, the Knowledge Society, is ultimately what I wish I had when I was younger. Um, You know, growing up in the traditional education system, you, you kind of learn the basics, you know, math, science, English, all of those things. We learn about history and all of these pieces. But the thing that you don't learn about, and I would argue one of the most important things to learn about is the future, <laughs> you know, because like that is the point for me, at least of education. How do you prepare yourself for the future? But I felt like I didn't really learn anything about the future. And so TKS, we built it, my brother and I, to help bridge that gap between, you know, today's world and the future world. And how do you actually prepare to thrive in the future world? Not just you know live in the future world, thrive in the future world, and that was really important to us. So in TKS, there's uh, four main pillars that we focus on. The first one is emerging technologies, and so you know these are the tools that are shaping the future: AI, blockchain, synthetic biology, cellular agriculture, quantum computing, nanotechnology, all of these things are being used to shape the future, to solve problems, to invent and create new things. This is also where a lot of the jobs are gonna be in the future. This is also where some of the highest paid individuals are gonna be thriving and starting companies in in the future. And so it doesn't make sense not to learn about these things. And when you look at the curriculums today, there is very little to no mention about all these emerging areas, which I wouldn't say is a fault of the current systems. It's just not what the systems were built for. The systems that we have today are not built to be adaptable to changes in the world. They are built to have a certain amount of information that everyone should have as a kind of a foundation. And so I kind of see the school system as foundational, but then you need things like Maker kids. You need things like the NALT Society to help you prepare for the future. The second thing is skills. What are the real world skills that you need to start building for the future? These are things like not only technical skills, but also uh, communication skills, networking skills, teamwork skills, learning how to figure stuff out, right? We call it critical thinking skills, but how do you actually teach these, right? What do you actually do? Um, so one way we do that, for example, is we work with real companies and organizations. Like recently, the students did a project with the United Nations and they're working on how do we get girls and women around the world to participate in the digital economy? So how do we increase the number of girls and women to be more literate with digital skills and potentially even make money through the digital economy like e-commerce. And so we had, you know, hundreds of kids working on this problem in parts of the world like Uganda, Rwanda, places in rural India on how do you actually understand these different cultures and areas to solve these problems and get these women into the digital economy. The third one is mindsets. So how do you develop the mindsets to thrive in the future things like grit, resilience, but also being helpful, kind, anti-fragility. We talk about stoicism, if anyone here's familiar with the, that concept, um, but really training these mindsets. And then the last one is networks. So number four is networks. How do you build the networks to thrive in the future? And that starts with the networks that you build in TKS at a global level, because you know they're with 800 other eight TKS students from around the world. Uh, but also the networks with professionals in the real world. How do you actually build those relationships early? And what I'll say that strings all these four things together is they're all compounding. When you learn about emerging tech or skills or mindsets or networks early on, these things compound every single year. And so the earlier you get exposed to these different areas, the better, because your returns on these you know skills, knowledge, mindsets, networks are going to be that much bigger uh, every year you kind of invest in them.
0: Amazing. Thanks so much. It sounds so cool what TKS is doing. And I know I've heard a lot of great stories and a lot of great things from families. So how did you decide to do this? Like how and how did you come to this specific model? Like what was the journey like? And how did you decide whether it would be like a program that was part of school or outside of school?
1: Yeah, a lot of a lot of good questions there. So, in terms of like how did we decide this? Um, well, my brother and I were actually in San Francisco. So I was at Box at the time and he was just leaving McKinsey. So through McKinsey, if you're familiar with that firm, it's like the number one global consulting firm. He was working out of Australia, Japan, a bunch of places around the world. And he was like, you know, I think I'm I'm done with McKinsey. I want to figure out what I want to do next. And so we came over uh, to the Bay Area, and we would have these philosophical conversations on a pretty daily basis. And one of those conversations, he, I remember, he turned to me and he asked me, "If we had ten billion dollars in the bank, what would we do with our time?" Because at this point in our life, like we didn't need money, you know, we had the kind of traditional success at a very, very early age, right? I sold AirPost when I was twenty-five. So basically, what I thought I was gonna do by 40. I basically had all those check marks at 25. And so, you know, when you asked this question and you put it into, into that kind of um, that framework, if we had a bill, $10 billion in our bank, what would we do? It became, what do we wanna do with our time? Not what do we wanna do with our money anymore? And so what we wanna do with our time is really about solving problems. And so we thought about what, what problems would we wanna solve? Ultimately, there was two, there was a huge list of problems. And we're like, okay, well, how do we get more people to just solve these problems? Because it can't just be us trying to solve this whole list of problems. And that's ultimately the genesis of TKS, you know, paired with what we wish we had, so we could solve a lot of big problems. So when you ask, how did we build the curriculum? It was around that concept. What are the things from a first principles, you know, thinking of how do we build these people to go solve big problems in the future? And ultimately, you know, they'll, they'll have to actually want to go and solve these problems, but early on, how do we increase their probability to be successful at solving them if they do choose to have a positive societal impact on a global scale? And so when we looked at that again, through first principles, that's how we identified these four pillars, like, well, we're going to have a higher chance of solving big problems through emerging technology, because you're not going to solve the same problem with the same ways we've been doing it in the past. You're going to need to use a different method, right? You can't use a hammer to solve every problem. you got to figure out what the new tools are. Then we realized mindsets, these skills were things that, you know, these new CEOs had, whether it was Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk or whatever, those were like the areas that differentiated them. So it's like, okay, well, what mindsets do people have in the world that are really leading change? And so we started with these four pillars and then we kind of iterated every year. It's been about five years since we started TKS with, you know, over a thousand students gone through the program now. So a lot of different data points to iterate on and where we're at now is kind of this pairing of, you know, first principles thinking plus iterating on that first principles thinking based on these data points, based on feedback, based on what we've seen our alumni do in the past, which is also pretty awesome. And I can definitely talk about it if you're interested in that.
0: Yeah, sure. That'd be amazing. What sort of success stories have you seen so far?
1: This is the thing that's blown my mind. So when we started TKS, we didn't expect alumni to be doing these types of things. We thought what they'd do now, they'd be doing in you know 10 years. So I'll give you a few examples. We have Ben Ashman, who started a company called Synex Medical. He has an office in Boston, an office in Toronto. He raised over $7 million from people like Sam Altman, who is the former president of Y Combinator, now the head of OpenAI, uh, Naval Ravikant, Radical Ventures, and a couple other really smart people, um, but you know these people that he raised from—that's part of that network component, right? And then what he's working on, Synex, is developing a ring to detect your glucose levels and other blood metabolites non-invasively. So that's part of emerging tech, right? And building that that knowledge area and tech, and then paired with the skills and and in, in implementation of hardware. And so he's working on, you know, that amazing thing. We have uh, Hannah, for example, who actually worked on anti-CRISPR lab in Toronto at the Davidson lab, which is one of the leading labs for anti-CRISPR, and then now spun out and start her, started her own company in PropTech. Um, and all the people, for example, these people I mentioned, they're younger than 21. Our oldest alumni is, you know, 21 years old. And so we have kids, who are now around the world, not just starting companies. That is like the anomaly. It's not like every TKS student goes and starts a company. Majority of students are at universities. But the interesting thing for me is they're not the typical student at university studying business or engineering. They're working on, for example, quantum computing at Waterloo or nanotechnology. They're working in Stanford at brain computer interfaces, which is what Ananya is doing. Or they're at Minerva, for example, like Michelle learning about you know, global problems and how to solve them at a global scale. Minerva, by the way, for those listening is like a new type of university. It's like a university 2.0, which is globally distributed where students get access to different campuses around the world, which is really interesting. And so we do have students at the Berkeleys, at the Stanford's of the world, Waterloo's, U of T's, but we also have students taking you know um, unconventional paths through universities like Minerva or through starting their own ventures Um, whether it's Ben at Cinex or whether it's, you know, Liam or Luke or these students who are actually working at blockchain companies or creating their own, you know, what they call hacker houses like Edify in uh, in Salt Lake City. And I I could go on and on about what the alumni are doing, but I think in a nutshell, what I would say is they're really taking a unconventional path that is self-directed. And so they're able to see like, what are the opportunities in the world And they have the knowledge and skills to execute on those opportunities which to me is is really exciting whether it's you know the university path or the non-university path being able to do what they're passionate about and then thrive in those areas is is what's really great to see you know coming out of tks
0: that's so amazing and how did you decide as far as i understand it tks is cohort based it's for teens like high schoolers currently and Uh, it it involves some in-person now virtual learning on weekends as well as projects. Like how did you decide on the format and feel free to, you know, correct me or specify more about like how the program works and how did you decide that it would be that way versus like, you know, in school or, you know, Mm -hmm. asynchronous, that sort of thing.
1: So before starting TKS, when I was running Airpost, my, my last company I was in a few accelerators. So they're called startup accelerators. Some, some people listening might have heard of Y Combinator, Techstars, Alchemist, Angelpad. So I was in two different accelerators. And that was actually the most important phase of my life. I would say being in a startup accelerator gave me more knowledge than all of my traditional education combined. So the, it was six months in, in, in accelerators versus... I don't know, 16 years in school. Um, So those six months gave me more learnings. And so what we did is we took the accelerator model, the Y Combinator model, the Techstars model, and we implemented that uh, in TKS. And so TKS actually started as a one month, three month program, because that's what the accelerator model was built. And then we kind of grew to eight months, eight to 10 months, because that's actually what we saw made sense when you think about human acceleration and human development. And so the weekly sessions, so yeah, I I should probably explain like how TKS works. Um, There's an application process, an interview process to get in, similar to accelerators. It's a weekly session that's three hours, kind of similar to accelerators. Um, There are cohorts of about 40 students, because that's kind of what we found is uh, the optimal number of students where they can meet the most amount of people, but also feel like they're in a tribe. You know, it's not about having the least amount of kids per director. So we do have a director and these people are not teachers. They're former founders. They're former engineers, neuroscientists, gene editing experts. Like they're incredible. If you go to our website and go to meet the directors, you'll kind of see their background. They're incredible, incredible people that happen to get a lot of joy and fulfillment off of training young people to change the world. So they're incredible people and Um, it's not actually about having the best ratio with them. You actually want to find the sweet spot of having enough students to build a network with to meet because those students are going to be your coworkers, your best friends, your co-founders in the future. And then you have these directors to help support your growth. And they're really coaches. They're like executive coaches, but for high school kids. Right. Um, And so that model again, was seeded from the accelerator model and then iterated off. And it is like a paid, it is a paid program. So TCAS is a paid program because we do need to pay these directors, these, you know, Olympic level coaches, what we call them. And so what we said was, okay, let's figure out an economic model where TCAS is sustainable, um, but also we're able to hire the best people. And so right now TCAS costs about $6,000 for the entire program. And you get this exec level coaching, you get to work with companies like the United Nations or Microsoft, you get access to our digital platform, which we spent a lot of time and resources to build out. Um, So TKS is not just like a after after school extracurricular program, this is like a world-class program from the technology to the sessions, to the directors, to everything in the middle. And then for students that can't afford it, we have a financial aid program. So last year, um, with you know 800 plus students, we gave out over $1.5 million in financial aid. And so a lot of that aid came from us, but also from our supporters, these corporates. So Zappos, like Amazon. So Zappos is an Amazon company. They actually are a huge financial aid supporter, along with companies like Interact, PwC, Microsoft, who've also supported us, among, among many others that uh, I haven't mentioned. But there is like a list of supporters that support students for financial aid because ultimately the future you know game changers of the world are not going to be just the people who can afford it right they're going to be people with the desire and and, uh, majority of those people might not have the financial means and so that's also very important to us when we think about the model it's not just the model of the programming but also the model of the economics that was really important for us to think through as well
0: Okay, cool. That's super helpful and great explanation of the program. Again, it sounds, uh, it sounds really amazing. One thing that you mentioned there that I found really interesting was that the directors are not teachers. And also interesting that it sounds like uh, the founders, yourself and your brother, are not from a teaching background. So can you talk a little bit about like that perspective of, you know, folks without a teaching background and how they're able to Produce these amazing results?
1: So, I'm not anti teachers or anti school or anything. I think that it's important to understand the purpose of teachers and the purpose of coaches. So, when you think about a teacher, um, you know, the training they get in school is how do I work with young people to teach them a curriculum for the most part, right? There's, of course, nuances and, and there's different types of teachers, but for the most part, that's the goal. We have a curriculum, we need to get that curriculum to the students, right? When you think about coaches, it's more aligned with executives, CEOs. When you think about what an executive does, they have a team of people and the goal of an executive and any high level executive will tell you this, their goal is to lead these people, to enable them, to empower them, to hit their goals, right? The team's goals. And that's actually more of TKS. The directors are kind of like these executives who are empowering the students to hit their goals, to support them, to guide them. And so TKS was also designed to be structurally unstructured. So all the students have actually their own paths they carve out in TKS. So that's why you see some students working on blockchain solutions. That's why you see some of them working on maternal mortality, working on poverty, working on artificial intelligence, quantum computing, gene editing because they're actually building their own paths. And so it wouldn't make sense for for us to have a teacher because we're not actually trying to get a curriculum across to the students. What we need is to enable these students to be able to reach their potential and push them and accelerate them towards the path they're most excited about. And so when you get these people from the real world who have led teams before, who have led people who have these experiences, they're actually able to coach these students very differently like a CEO would or an executive would. And, and that's like one of the fundamental differences between TKS and, and I, mean, I think most um, after school programs or extracurriculars or school is it's not really trying to get them to learn one specific thing. It's really about this individual mindset of how do I unlock your potential holistically and help you find your passion. It might be in technology, it might be in science, it might be in a specific problem like climate change. And so really like helping them get that self-awareness and then accelerate their path to what they want to do in in their life and help them understand, define what that is for them.
0: Super cool. So in the weekly three hour sessions, what happens in those, are the kids, are the, sorry, students uh, going through their own individual learning pathways or are they learning as a group or how does that part work?
1: So there's different types of sessions that we have in TKS. Um, The first type of session, are like the technology science sessions. And so with that one, what we'll do is, throughout the week, they'll get something called an explore module. And they'll have to learn about the technology or science before the session. So by the way, in TKS, there's, there are things that's done throughout the week. It's not like you come to the three hour session and that's it, right? There's, there's no way you could grow at this pace just by a three hour, once a week session. And so students usually spend five to 10 hours throughout the week, on their projects, on these explore modules. So they come to the session, prepare, right? And so that's the, that's the asynchronous part of the learning. The synchronous part of the learning is highly engaged. And so sometimes what we'll do, for example, in a AI session, we'll give them a problem that doesn't have a solution. And then we'll say, okay, now go figure this out. And the students don't have a textbook to look at the of, you know, to see the answer. They have to figure it out. And then we teach them different, uh, Frameworks like mental models on how to actually think about the solution. So they'll learn about first principles, right? They'll learn about MISI, mutually exclusive, collect- collectively exhaustive. And so they'll learn about all these different frameworks and mental models to help figure out how to solve this problem, understanding that there is no one right answer. Um, we also talk about ethics, we talk about philosophies. There's different brain pods that we have in discussions for the kids to share ideas, present right? So it's very, very engaging. The director is not lecturing during the session. In fact, they have pre-recorded um, workshops they do that they'll send the students throughout the week so that in the session, it's engaging when the kids are together. Then we have uh, challenge sessions. So that's, for example, when I mentioned working with the United Nations or Microsoft we will have a problem that these organizations give us that they're currently working on. Again, no solution to these problems and the students will have to learn how to solve it. And then what we do in the sessions is train them on how to actually make a good recommendation deck, how to talk to customers, how to validate your ideas, how to ask a question. So we'll give them all these skills in the sessions so that when they apply these skills during the week, they're actually doing it effectively. And so we've done these challenges with Lego, Instacart, you know, obviously United Nations, Microsoft, like I mentioned. Um, we've done it with Kidogo, which is an ECD, early development, uh, early childhood development in Kenya and East Africa. Uh, so we did it with Kyogo, which was an amazing experience last year. So students actually have to learn about Kenya, the culture, the people, how it works in order to solve the problem. Um, so that's like a challenge session. Uh, we have mindset sessions. So we'll talk about life and success. And what does success mean to you? You know, it's, it's this question that no one really asks these kids. How do you define success for you? Is it money? Is it status? Is it something else? Is it purpose? Is it impact? Okay, how do you measure that now, right? And then how do you work backwards from impact to today? Because most kids are working forwards, right? Most parents are working forwards. It's, okay, what grade do I need in high school to get to this university? And then once I'm in that university, then what? I'll figure it out. You know, I, I'll, I'll be successful. That doesn't, that's not how the world works. If you get into Harvard, you're not guaranteed success, right? That, that is a traditional way of thinking. What you need to do today is work backwards and understand what does success mean to me? OK, based on that, what do I need to be doing today to optimize my chances of getting there? We have a whole framework that we build out in TKS to teach these kids on how to think that way rather than linearly forward thinking, which doesn't really make sense because you hit this block of, OK, university, then what? I don't know. right? And it's, it's crazy how, how common this thought process is of I need to get great grades, go to a good school, then I'll figure it out. And if you talk to any person in the real world today doing anything meaningful, they'll tell you that's not, that's not how you would think in the real world. You would want to think backwards, right? Not think, oh, well, I'll figure it out once I get there.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And speaking of high school and university and grades and all of that, I've seen some amazing different education innovations, both within school or like targeting schools, like in-school workshops or new forms of schools or supplementary programs like yours. um, Could you talk a little bit about how you decided to do a supplementary program versus creating a new school or um, doing in-school programs and also how you see school plus TKS Fitting together, Are some students using it as a substitute or, yeah, I'd love to hear more about that.
1: So the reason why um, we chose not to make it like part of the curriculum is because one, it takes a long time to get anything really implemented in schools. So it's a big, a big challenge to overcome that. There's a lot of red tape and barriers and it makes sense. The school system impacts millions and millions of students. Uh, But at the same time, it just takes time. So if you want to move fast, you have to do it externally. And that's the trade-off, right? So we said, okay, you know what? Let's move fast and do it externally. We probably won't have the same reach, but we'll we'll start learning and getting data points earlier. And then the reason why we made it uh, separate and not part of like an after-school program or something is because it was important the type of students that they were surrounding themselves with having an application process and an interview process was important because you needed um, you needed to be around like-minded people it wasn't about anyone can join because there's this you know saying you're the average of your five closest friends and so if you had three people around you that were just demotivated it's not about what you're learning it's about who you're learning with it's about who you're working on projects with And so that's why we had this process to get in so that everyone that's in TKS is high performing, is driven, is curious, is hungry to learn. And so there is that high performance desire in TKS. And in terms of like how students think about TKS, it's on a spectrum. Some students are like, you know, TKS is a part of their life and school is a part of their life and soccer is a part of their life and piano. And then you have the other spectrum where it's like TKS is you know, 90% of their life. And, they're, and by that, I just mean, they're working on their projects, they're potentially starting companies. Um, they're just really engaged in this unconventional path. And by the way, a lot of people might think, oh, but are you sacrificing school? Actually, 100% of those students are doing extremely well in school because they've actually figured out and understood how to extract value from both systems, right? School, how they thought about it is, you know, I want to I, I want to figure out how to do as well as I can in school so I can go to a great university and, and get the knowledge that's transferable from school. And then the amount of time they're spending now is cut down a bit because they're not overthinking it. They're not overthinking every little detail, but they've understood it you know, the value of school and they play that game. And then for for TKS, they've understood, okay, what are the value parts of that? And then they combine it to say, okay, how does it help me? And how do I use these different systems and tools to help grow myself so I can, you know, be more successful in my future and hit my goals, which I think is kind of that ideal state you want to get to, right? Which is how do all these things serve me? And how do I use these things as tools to help me be successful? Not necessarily being, for lack of a better word, slaves to these different systems without really questioning them and understanding them.
0: Amazing, that definitely makes sense. And my last question is, what are some examples of innovations in education that you really like, whether it be companies or techniques that you've seen out there that you think are representative of kind of the future of education?
1: I think the the future of education is actually being seen outside the education system. I think it is podcasts, for example. If you listen to, like if you have a 15 year old listening to the Knowledge Project by Shane Parrish, they're ahead of the game. They are 10X ahead of where I was when I was in high school just because of the access to this knowledge. If you know who Naval is and Tim Ferriss at 16, 15 years old, you're completely ahead of the game. And a lot of it is like, The democratization of information is where we're at today. These kids are already on YouTube. You have kids starting to use Clubhouse, podcasts, all of these different areas where you could get knowledge from. And so, for me and for you, when we were in high school, the barrier was information. We just didn't know what existed, what was possible. Kids these days can now get all this information. Now, the barrier is filtering that information and then doing something with it, which is why I think more than ever having a mentor when you're young is very important and then building projects is very important. And so I think the disruptions in education are actually these channels that give you information and then the platforms that help you build things. Like YouTube is a platform that helps you build things. GitHub is a platform that helps you build things. PHP, Python, you know, all of these coding languages, Minecraft, they're platforms that help you build things. And so if you're a young person, you want to take as much advantage of as many channels as you can to absorb information, and then as many platforms as you can to implement information, right, to to build things. And so I think that's really where education is being disrupted. And I think the the kids that will thrive the most are going to be the self-directed kids, the ones that think, oh, I'm interested in X, so let me go build something in X, right? And start learning by doing. And I think that is where we're going to see the most growth in young people in the learning by doing space.
0: Amazing. Well, Naveed, thank you so much for joining the Redesigning Learning podcast. Again, everyone, Naveed is one of the co-founders of the Knowledge Society, an amazing program. Definitely check it out. And thanks so much for joining us, Naveed.
1: Thanks, Jen.